Politicos, and welcome to another episode of The Trill, a podcast by The Trillium. My name is Aiden Schmandy. I'm a reporter here at The Trillium. I'm Editor-in-Chief Jessica Smith-Gross. And I'm Deputy Editor Charlie Pinkerton. So yesterday, a huge report dropped on our desks finding that Steve Clark, Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing, had violated MPP ethics rules in for his role in the Greenbelt scandal. It's the second report in three weeks showing that the government's uh, process for selecting the lands in the Greenbelt scandal was... Uh, flawed to say the least we are going to start off with a clip of steve clark apologizing i, I want to take uh, this opportunity to first acknowledge that yesterday's report of the integrity commissioner pointed to very clear flaws uh, to the process that led to the removal of the lands uh, being removed from the greenbelt i uh, i accept that i ought to have had greater oversight uh, over my former chief of staff and over the process. And to Ontarians, I want to say very sincerely that I apologize that I did not. So guys, what do you think? He sounded really emotional today at that press conference. He's not resigning. He's not doing anything about it. They're not, you know, putting the land back into the green belt, but he was standing up there in the media studio looking sorry, looking sad, looking like he was in a, actually a hell of a lot of personal pain having to be there and doing that. Yeah, this is uh, a guy who's very experienced, uh, is very good in question period, often speaks without notes, and his voice was shaking. Um, I'm not sure if I could see his eyes welling up behind his glasses, but uh, there, were, there were times where I thought that. And uh, yeah, completely agree with Jess. It was, it was jarring. And that's how the first question kicked off. Cynthia Mulligan of City, who's been around doing this for a very long time, basically came at him and said, like, this is not your reputation, Minister. What the heck? I don't think he had an answer for that. Yeah, I guess I would just say I agree with both those things. It was very unusual to see Steve Clark like that for the same reasons that each of you mentioned it. Um, It was also just strange because... You know, he clearly came there to make a message, to apologize, to say he regretted uh, what happened um, last fall. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he did not resign. That's been called for uh, for weeks now since the Auditor General report. Um, and I guess I should just point out, too, that, yeah, it came just a couple hours after the premier um, himself had a rather interesting uh, press conference where... Um, I'd say probably the standout moment was going after a reporter uh, pretty aggressively, which is also uh, pretty unusual for him these days. So, yeah, very odd day here at Queen's Park this Thursday. Do you have a clip of that, Aiden? We do have a clip of that. Let's listen. What people are seeing here after this integrity commissioner and auditor general's report is nothing but incompetence, right? From the chief of staff who decided to rush through a process to the housing minister who looked away because he thought it was going to be too politically sensitive to a premier who directed his housing minister to open up the green belt after promising Ontarians that you would never touch the green belt. So, at, so I'll take, but, but premier, okay. at, at what point do, do you take personal responsibility here and how are people to have trust in your leadership. Well, th- thank you for that, Colin, and I'm, I'm sure you just walked down the street from your home, that you have a home. But do you know many people don't have a home, Colin? There's hundreds, hold on, there's hundreds of thousands of people that home, hold it, there's hundreds of thousands of people that don't have homes. 
And yes, when I, 2018, we didn't have a housing crisis. Do you know why we didn't have a housing crisis, Colin? Because there was no jobs here. People weren't coming here. Because the last government lost 300,000 jobs. There was no interest in coming to Ontario. But now, since we've been in office, we've created an environment and condition for people around the world to come to Ontario. Let me finish, Colin. To come to Ontario. When we have a housing crisis, I have two options, Colin. I sit back like the other government did and let the whole province fall apart, or we move forward and we build homes. Because I know you, Colin, a year down the road, if we don't have the homes, you're the first person that's going to be up here saying, why didn't you build the homes? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Well, Colin, guess what? We're going to build homes. We're going to build homes until people have the same opportunity that you have. You have a nice home down the street. But guess what? There's hundreds of thousands of people that don't have your opportunity, that don't have the good paying job that you have. That's the difference. Okay. 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 For what? Let me jump in there for one. I think the province was at like full employment when the PCs took power for, for what it's worth. I can maybe fact check myself on that later, but Charlie's right. The, the step he took to sort of like attack Colin for having a, a home was a bit old school. Doug Ford, we haven't seen in, in a while. Um, it, it, landed pretty strangely. The next reporter to come up was Siobhan Morris from CTV. who's like, I don't own a home, but I'm asking the same questions with Colin. Like, just because he has a home doesn't mean he can't say, hey, I have some questions for you about this this huge scandal that you're in the middle of. Yeah, and there was a question later in that press conference where Ford had returned to the point that he had been making for a couple of days about, oh, if if, if any of these developers uh, don't get approvals moving fast and shovels in the ground uh, in, in these greenbelt lands, uh, you know, there's, there's trouble for them. Try me, try me, try me. And he, he kept on saying, try me in a kind of very aggressive way. So it was, uh, it was, it was quite the charged press conference. Oh yeah. They're making an example out of this, these owners in for the Ajax piece of land. The, the backstory here is basically these guys put up an ad to, to sell it. Um, they're land investors based in, in China who are not developers um, they were trying to sell the land. They say they were going to, you know, hold some ownership. They're looking for just looking for a development partner. Either way, this is land that this government picked out. They're not capable of developing it, apparently. Um, now, apparently, now it's going to go back to the Greenbelt, according to the Premier. And he seems to be using that as the that offense as a defense in this. Like, look, we're serious. If you don't build homes, uh, you can't just speculate on this. It's going back into the into the Greenbelt. I should just add on that, though, that this is a very small portion of the land that was removed. Uh, I think it's just under 2%. Mm So, you know, it is interesting that that's the tact. We, I think we saw a change in uh, several different approaches, whether intentional or not today with Minister Clark, with the premier. Um, But at the end of the day, I I think kind of the developments the last couple of days are just showing that, um, you know, the government is struggling with this and perhaps uh, they've realized that it's not going to go away so easily. Mm -hmm. And so Charlie, you were actually there this morning, very early in Etobicoke and uh, we're going to play another clip from that press conference where you asked a pretty pointed question. Hey premier, it's uh, Charlie Pinkerton from the Trillium. Um, In his report yesterday, the integrity commissioner described a pattern of deception by the housing minister's uh, former chief of staff that included throwing around his superiors' names, including your own, to try and advance a policy initiative, the removal of land from the Greenbelt, that the housing minister himself was hesitant about. 
Um, before Ryan Amato resigned from his position, you were protecting him. Given this, which otherwise I think would be seen as a uh, breach of trust, why were you protecting him? Was it because you, he was doing what you assigned him to? Now, Charlie, I'm wondering why you asked that question. Like, what was kind of the central thing you were trying to get at there? Yeah, well, that stems from the Integrity Commissioner's Report, which is very, very long. Um, it's 165 pages. Um, and it's fascinating in a number of ways. Uh, I, I really um, found it interesting versus the Auditor General's report because it's written in a very different way. The Integrity Commissioner uh, kind of has um, the ability to go into more of the personal details. It's not a structured, it's, you know, just by nature of his position versus a auditor who's doing a audit at the end of the day. Um, it could really break down how these um, series of events happened last fall that led to the, the land that was removed from the green belt uh, being chosen. And, the interesting, well, there's, there's both parts um, that are pretty clear, um, which, like the Auditor General's report, found that it was Housing Minister Steve Clark's now former chief of staff, Ryan Amato, um, who really, I guess, took over this process uh, last fall and then led it to completion. Um, but there's also sort of a lot of question marks still. There's a lot of inconsistencies throughout the Integrity Commissioner's uh, report um, based on, you know, things that the Premier said, things that the Housing Minister said, things that the Housing Minister Chief said, said, things that the Public Servants said, things that Public Servants notes uh, say about who was involved and when. And, you know, while some things are clear, um, many things are not. And so the point that I was asking about today uh, or trying to ask about today that I didn't really get much of an answer for um, was that it was about that uh, Ryan Amato had been assigned to uh, the housing minister's office by the premier's office. That's pretty normal for a chief of staff. Um, but while the housing minister, Steve Clark uh, was not keen whatsoever on moving forward with uh, removing land from the green belt, um, is chief of staff did anyways. And again, it's still just very unclear whether um, that was something that was uh, steered by the premier's office um, or it was Ryan Amato sort of uh, going at it on his own accord. Yeah. I had a similar question to Clark today at the Clark press conference. You, you get these parts of the report, like it starts with the premier's mandate letter which isn't doesn't spell out they need to do what they did, but it does spell out this, we're going to look at using the land in the Greenbelt for housing. It sort of opens the door. And then the integrity commissioner has a bit of his interview with Ryan Amato, the, the chief of staff, who says he realized that they were doing this and it was serious after he had a meeting with the premier and the premier, premier's principal secretary in September. And he has like a shady half recollection of this. He's like, I don't remember exactly what they said, but I came away knowing this was serious. There's an excerpt of a text message he sent a colleague in which he says as much. Um, but the premier says he doesn't recall such a meeting. The principal secretary says he doesn't recall such a meeting. The minister says he doesn't recall such a meeting. Like what the hell happened? Did it happen or did it not happen? We've got a big inconsistency there. And I mean, this September 15th date is significant for several reasons. Does any, either you want to take a stab at kind of explaining the, the kind of the chronology here? It's the day after the build dinner 
for one. Uh, that was this industry dinner where at least one of the two developers handed a package of information about the lands he wanted removed from the, the Greenbelt to Ryan Amato. This was Silvio de Gasparis and the lands were the Cherrywood lands, the biggest parcel, the one from the, the um, Duffins Rouge Agricultural Preserve. Uh, it was, but the fifteenth itself is the day that Ryan Amato told the civil servants, according to the the auditor general, that he wanted to move forward with this site specific way of getting land out of the green belt instead of holding an open process. They were going to choose a bunch of lands. So, Charlie, in our conversations prior to recording and over the last couple of days, you had really honed in on the bill dinner as one of the kind of most salient portions of this report. Why? Why was that so interesting for you? Yeah, well, this dinner was first um, written about in the auditor general's report. Um, it was sort of pinned uh, by Bonnie Lissick in her work as being something that really set this whole thing in motion. Um, and further, in the integrity commissioner's work, like I said earlier, uh, it's interesting some of the kind of like more personal, the more like intimate details uh, that were given. And so in terms of how um, J. David Wake explained it and kind of unpacked it, uh, it's just really interesting to see um, Silvio de Gasparis um, talk uh, about in his interview um, sort of what went down there because that's not information we had before. And uh I really enjoyed the one quote that we see here, um, which as written by the integrity commissioner says at the dinner, Mr. DeGaspera says that he pulled uh, Mr. Amato aside and said, I have a package I want you to, to take a look at. There was an injustice done at Cherrywood and I want you to take a look. And that's referring to land that he owns that was later removed from the Greenbelt. So I want to. I was just going to say the injustice he's talking about is the liberal government putting it in the Greenbelt in the first place. So I want to get back to this misunderstanding that Jess was talking about earlier, because Wake says that that is kind of one of Clark's central sins and one of the reasons why Wake ultimately found Clark guilty of violating the Members Integrity Act. And it it all stems from the mandate letter that Clark received uh, uh, after the election. The excerpt of the mandate letter reads as follows. In fall 2022, complete work to codify processes for swaps, expansions, contractions, and policy updates for the Greenbelt. In addition, conduct a comprehensive review of the mandate of the Greenbelt Council and Greenbelt Foundation. This should include a comprehensive plan to expand and protect the Greenbelt. Now, first off, considering Ford had previously said the government wasn't going to touch the Greenbelt, like, do we know exactly how and why this ended up in the mandate letter? It doesn't really, it, it spells out how the mandate letters were written and how many people were involved in them, but it doesn't say whose idea it was to put it in there. Presumably it was the premier's, at least in the end, they're his responsibility. They come from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just summed it up very well. And as the integrity commissioner's report says, um, it wasn't until really late in the uh, Ford government's first mandate uh, that doing anything with the green belt was really discussed at all, which uh, they only sort of or top staff really only started thinking about as an option um, when, uh, well, around the time that they set their housing goal to build 1.5 million homes by 2031. Um, and when it became clear uh, via you know, housing starts that had decreased that that was a far off goal. 
Yeah, I, I think the question of kind of who and how it got in is is an important one to probe because it's like it's just such a big reversal from you know past policy. And to Jess's point about it, you know, presumably being the premier because ultimately he is the one who is responsible for these things. Like the the old deputy chief of staff and head of policy, a very very high ranking person in the government, told the integrity commissioner that uh, removing you know looking at the green belt. Uh, uh, looking at removing land from the greenbelt is not a new concept. It's something that has always existed as a potential option to deal with housing. And I, this is Ford's director of policy, wasn't in a place to take that off the list. So if he's such a high-ranking staffer and is not, you know, in a place to take that off the list, it kind of narrows down the uh, the the possible people who you know really could have put it in there. So the the premier and his staff, as we say, are the the ones to write the letter and give it to Clark. How did how did they think that the the Greenbelt line would be interpreted? You know, what what do they say they wanted Clark to do with uh, uh, with this plank? They they don't right. That I don't see that anywhere in the report. What we do get to is after this September fifteenth meeting that did or not did not happen, depending on who you're talking to. You have what we have. What Amato says he says said to Minister Clark after it. So the the, the the integrity commissioner asked if he talked to Minister Clark about this understanding he had leaving that meeting. And this is a quote from, from Ryan Amato. I think I would have just said, leave it with me. And we were both kind of shocked that we were, we were both kind of taken aback that we were actually going to do this. We had an understanding that something needed to be done. And I didn't want to, as I think I've previously said a few times, I didn't want to waste ministerial time or government time on something that I thought was going to fail, which is why the group was so small when we were dealing with it. So this, so I think that uh, that is why I would have said, leave it with me. And leave it with me is something the integrity commissioner goes back to a lot. It's the sort of the crux of his problem with Clark. He let the chief of staff handle it. He left it with him. But this conversation makes it look like they're like, what? We're doing this? We're pulling land out of the green belt? And still, apparently, according to Inamato's telling, don't believe it's ever going to actually happen. But then they go through this whole rush process, get it done, and then Clark takes it to cabinet and makes it happen. That's what the minister does. And he did that without asking questions like, how did you pick these pieces of land in the first place? Yeah, I think this would probably be a good time to to intro kind of the craziest, maybe most salient quote from the um, from the Integrity Commission report. It may seem incredible that Minister Clark would have chosen to stick his head in the sand on such an important initiative being undertaken by his ministry. But I believe that was exactly what he did. And do we have a quote from Minister Clark addressing that? Yes, we do. In terms of outcomes for Ontarians. Did you knowingly put your head in the sand? Uh, you know, again, I, I've accepted responsibility that I overly relied on my, my chief to... I, I am, Did you knowingly put yourself in the sand, head in the sand, to avoid the political repercussions? Yeah, I, I think the Integrity Commissioner's report uh, covered that, that uh, the process that uh, was uh, directed from the ministry should have been uh, more um, directly related to myself, and I shouldn't have been relied on another individual, namely my former chief, in terms of uh, how those properties were dealt with. So, I think that- There were times in that press conference when he was just staring, like, dead-faced into the camera. Mm-hmm. That would have been a very tough thing to do. Yeah, and... So Clark doesn't exactly address <laughs> doesn't exactly address the question there, but the report gets into, you know, maybe why he was reluctant to involve himself in the process revolving around this is a controversial decision you know there was a, a quote in there we said he's he's not happy i'm gonna i'm gonna have to uh go back on on uh lots of you know years of government policy 
And um, it, 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 yeah, I just think it is kind of shocking that, you know, someone tasked with making hard decisions every day would, you know, not be up to making hard decisions. So the third sin uh, that the integrity commissioner faults Clark with is is not questioning Amato before presenting it to cabinet. And Jess, you briefly brought that up before. Can you kind of just go into that a bit for us? Um, well, all along, uh, the both Minister Clark and the Premier have said the same things about the land that it was chosen by, uh, you know, non-political civil servants. Turns out not to be very much true at all. Uh, with this like consistent rubric, and that they had no no say bef- um, over what was was chosen. So it it none of neither of the reports that have come out suggested that they had a say over what was chosen, but it wasn't by non-political civil servants. It was by the, by the chief of staff. Um, and they just kept saying that even as these investigations got underway, they said that to the auditor general, they said that to the integrity commissioner, when it went to cabinet, they didn't know about this process and how it had, had all the problems with this process. When they took it to cabinet and voted for it, made it law in this, in this province. Um, and that, Politically is what the opposition has been trying to pin on them. How did you not know? Are you incompetent? But that's sort of, but the integrity commissioner did it from his legal standpoint, from the responsibility placed in the minister under the Members Integrity Act and said he failed. I should just jump in and say that uh, the report does as well look at uh, how the how the land sites were chosen. Uh, the Auditor General report uh, before the Integrity Commissioners um, gave sort of a broad uh, overview of this, saying how many that... Uh, Ryan Amato was uh, first brought to the uh, Greenbelt project team. Um, anyways, J. David Wake goes in uh, or spends about 50 some pages going um, land site by land site. And there are so many, so many fascinating details about how developers, their representatives um, either came to pass, uh, you know, their um lands on to, uh, well, largely uh, the housing minister's former chief of staff. Um, but, you know, otherwise how they got some sort of impression uh, that the government was considering this. Um, anyway, so we do not have time to talk about 50 pages of specific details about land uh, site selection, but they are very interesting if anyone cares to read. Suffice to say, if you're connected to the developer gossip network, it can be very profitable. <laughs> Yeah, the report goes into uh, just a little bit more detail on this. The report goes into this, uh, I believe, what it called a, a rumor mill. Uh, so Wake said that the the minister's failure to to manage a motto during this whole process led to some developers being alerted to a potential change in the government's position on the green belt, with the result that their private interests were furthered improperly. Uh, so you know, developers have kind of always made requests for their lands to be removed from the green belt, and they don't really get anywhere. But at this build dinner that Jess had mentioned, the Gasparis makes a similar overture, and uh, and Wake says that when that was not met with, uh, you know, essentially a, a bug off, but a, a give me more information, that kind of started a, you know, essentially a whisper campaign. That, uh, that led to several other developers reaching out and ultimately having their lands removed from the green belt. And I should, uh, I should actually raise to one interesting part of the report where um, there's a very well-known uh, lobbyist, Peter Van Loan, who works for a lot of developers. Um, and I believe it's from an interview uh, from him with the integrity commissioner uh, where 
he says that he had been telling clients for years previous because of uh, the four government's previous stand that, you know, this was never going to happen that, um, well, that very thing that, you know, this was off the table, uh, removing land from the green belt. And uh, there was at some point, um, you know, last fall that you know, he realized that uh, that position had changed in some way. I think one of the most interesting parts of this kind of little rumor mill example is deals with uh, Flato's Flato Development's Shakir Ramatola. So he uh, has been described as a as a friend of the premier and a friend of uh, another cabinet minister, Khalid Rashid. He attended the premier's daughter's wedding in the in the months before this happened, and he made a request for land to be removed in fall 2022, despite saying he never got a, a heads up from anyone. And uh, Wake said that it's more than likely that uh, someone tipped off Remitola because there's no real explanation, no plausible explanation for why the requested lands, why he made the request for lands to be removed in fall 2022. But then he takes a slap at anyone who might jump to the assumption that it was the premier because he attended the premier's daughter's wedding. That, says Wake, is not enough for him to make that same fancy flight of conclusions or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel seen. Why, why do you feel seen, Charlie? No comment. <laughs> Aiden, do you have a choice clip to, to end us off with? Yeah, there was uh, a particularly uh, damning question from uh, Rob Ferguson of the Toronto Star. Minister, why do you have a different standard of, of, of accountability for yourself than you did for a lot of Liberal cabinet ministers? I'll read one quote from me here. There used to be a time when ministers took their integrity seriously. Here's another one. Uh, back from the mid-2010s. There's never any shame, never any dishonor in doing the right thing. You called on all sorts of Liberal cabinet ministers to resign, and they had not been found uh, wanting in two successive uh, reports from legislative watchdogs. So what makes you so special? I, I, I take the recommendations from both um, the Auditor General and the Integrity Commissioner very seriously, and I've I've uh, I've been very open with, uh, with Ontarians today in terms of accepting um, complete responsibility over the process that took place in the ministry. Um, and I, and I've, I'm committed as well as our government is committed to ensuring that, uh, that we do better moving forward. But I, you know, as I said in my statement yesterday, uh, the buck stops with me and I accept, uh, and regret that, uh, Ontarians have gone through this, uh, this process. That was one of those clips where he looked like he was just in an immense pain standing there and saying those words. Yeah, in the last couple of days, the NDP have put together a uh, website. I, I believe it's called Steve Clark Resign or something like that. That just has a, a list of of clips Clark, you know, going off on various ethical scandals from from the past. Uh, and you know, Fergie was Fergie was quoting uh, a lot of those same quotes. So uh, never uh, never good to be uh, seen as a, as a hypocrite, I guess. I guess all I can say is that I accept and regret the journey that we've been on these last three weeks. That's it. That's all, everyone. Thanks for the time.